Christian Medical and Dental Associations hope you enjoy today's chapel message. I'm going to talk about an issue I think that's very important for us to begin thinking about as we go into this new year. And it isn't just because I oversee our advocacy work that I'm thinking about spiritual warfare. I think it's a topic that hits every one of us here at CMDA. In fact, I think it hits to some degree or another every single believer, especially if they are being uh, effective in advancing the kingdom of God. And as I start out, I, I do think it's important for me to um, bring up the admonition of C.S. Lewis when it comes to this. Uh, if you're familiar with C.S. Lewis, he wrote a, a terrific book called The Screwtape Letters. Uh, highly recommend that. Uh, but in the foreword of the screw tape letters, he writes, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. He concludes by saying they themselves are equally pleased by both errors. So we want to be aware of, uh, first of all, uh, not really paying much attention to the possibility of spiritual warfare, but then the opposite extreme of contributing everything that happens to us to spiritual warfare. I don't think we have, uh, certainly not the first uh, temptation here at CMDA. Uh, you all know that CMDA plays a unique role in the kingdom of God. There is no other organization like it in the United States, and we're the largest medical uh, Christian medical association in the world. And so I think we, on a somewhat regular basis, might come to the attention of the enemy, or at least uh, a few of his low-lying lieutenants. So that's really the basis of why I want to talk about this. And I want to begin with Scripture, I think as we always should, because is this scriptural? What, what does the Bible, especially the New Testament, tell us about the whole topic of spiritual warfare? And beginning in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul kind of brings up this whole issue when he's writing to the Ephesians and he says, You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all live, once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body and the mind, uh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Paul lays out uh, some very interesting principles here. Uh, things that we don't see, but he says they are nonetheless very real. And those are, first of all, that there is this prince of the power of the air. That's the terminology that Paul uses. And this prince exerts a great deal of influence over the world. And in fact, to a large measure, controls the world. Um, and, and, and in fact, if you think about one of the temptations uh, that uh, the Satan gave to, to Jesus was that Satan says, the world has been given over to me. I'll give it to you if you simply bow. Well, Jesus didn't correct Satan at that point and says, no, the world hasn't been given over to you. 
He simply refused to bow in worship to Satan, which left open the option. Uh, is the world, in large measure, under the control of the enemy? And in other words, is God allowing that? And that's really what Paul is laying out here in Ephesians. Secondly, we all, as we know, we've all fallen short and, and sinned in our lives. And so we were all under the control of this prince of the air to varying degrees. And thirdly, that same spirit is still at work in those who are disobedient. And that same spirit is working to draw us back into disobedience. Even though we do not see this spirit, we are not physically aware of the spirit. In fact, the world never really acknowledges that spirit. But in Christendom, as Christians, we need to recognize that this spirit definitely exists and is impacting us to some degree. Later then, Paul emphasizes this in a well-known passage on spiritual warfare when he writes, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. That's the ESV version. No doubt a passage that's familiar to hopefully all of you to some degree, as well as this spiritual armor. This is a, a, an artist's graphic depiction of this that I found online. Uh, the main things and the main components of our Spiritual armor are the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the belt of truth, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, Scripture, and our feet fitted with the shoes of the gospel of peace. So if you've at all looked at this, this hopefully is familiar to you to some degree. I'm not going to spend a lot of time going through this, uh, because I do hope it is familiar. Instead, I want to get and drill down and ask the question, what is the most common strategy the enemy is going to use against us? If the enemy is going to attack us in our role here at CMDA or in our role in our family or in our church, what is the most common strategy that he's going to use? And I think Paul gives us a little bit of a clue, again in Ephesians chapter 6, when he says, In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. That's interesting. We don't see any literal flaming darts. But Paul is acknowledging that there are flaming darts and, of course, this raises the question, what are those flaming darts? If the enemy is shooting flaming darts at us in the process of spiritual warfare, what are they really? And I think the answer is found, again, in the writings of Paul, but in a different book, 2 Corinthians. Once again, Paul brings up this whole topic of spiritual warfare. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. 
For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. What is Paul talking about? He starts out this passage by bringing up, again, spiritual warfare, saying that we are not waging war according to the flesh. So Paul is clearly saying we are in a war, but it's not a fleshly war. And our warfare and weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power. Well, I would submit to you that the flaming darts that Paul is talking about are lies that come into our minds in the form of thoughts. Now that may be a whole new concept to you if you haven't really studied the issue of spiritual warfare all that much and really thought deeply. But I think that's, that is the only conclusion that we can make from 2 Corinthians. When Paul tells us that we are to take captive all thoughts, that doesn't mean that every single thing that comes into your head is from the enemy. But what I would want you to take away today, if nothing else, is just to acknowledge that not every thought that enters your head is from you. Let me say that again. Not every thought that enters your head is from you. Certainly the vast majority may be from you. And maybe, since you are a follower of Jesus, a Christian, and indwelled by the Holy Spirit, maybe, on rare occasions, the Spirit is imparting a thought to you. And hopefully it's relatively clear when the Spirit is speaking because the Spirit is always going to be in alignment with Scripture. Never at any odds with Scripture. But there is a third possibility, and that third possibility is that the enemy is also implanting thoughts in your mind. Those are the fiery darts, I believe, that Paul is talking about. I first learned about this when I was working in the, in the fight against sex trafficking, especially when I was starting my home, Gracehaven, up in Ohio. And for those of you who are not aware, I spent about 15 years uh, having been called by God into the fight against human trafficking, specifically domestic minor sex traffic, trafficking, child sex trafficking. I started uh, a home called Gracehaven. It is still the only home that is specialized to deal with victims of child sex trafficking in the state of Ohio. And when I was starting that, as you can imagine, I was attacking the enemy's stronghold directly. And even though I had been involved even here at CMDA, working with MEI and other ministries, I never experienced anything like the warfare that I began to experience when I was starting Gracehaven. It was unbelievable. And the vast majority of it were thoughts that would suddenly come into my mind out of nowhere that were highly negative thoughts. And, and that's where I really began to learn about this whole issue and how it impacts us on a practical level. So, 
There are lots of different purposes that the enemy is going to have when he wants and begins to implant lies in your mind. And I'm going to deal with the three most common that I believe uh, are his purposes. The first is to draw us into sin. If we are followers of Jesus and we are seeking to be obedient to him and to have an impact for his kingdom, one of the best ways that the enemy can derail us is to get us caught up into some sin. And Bert gave a great talk uh, last year, right in December, about uh, sin habits and how we need to fight those off. Well, we don't get into those sin habits if we're involved in one on our own. It's a lot of times through the work of the enemy. And the types of thoughts that can be implanted in us and temptations are to embellish the pleasures of that sin, whatever it might be. Uh, it might be sexual, might be greed, might be uh, uh, food-wise, lots of different ways. But it, generally those thoughts will embellish the pleasures around that sin. And at the same time, minimize harms. So that really there's nothing really wrong. You won't be caught. These little thoughts in this way. And, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because uh, I, I think the other two are the ones that we would deal with most likely here at CMDA. And the second one is to attack our self-confidence. And this is one that I have, to, I have to say that I deal with and have dealt with on a regular basis. No matter what your role here is at CMDA, when you are given some new assignment or something else comes up, inevitably the enemy may put in your mind, you don't have the ability to do that. You don't know how that's done. And you know what? What makes that lie really powerful is that there is an element of truth to it. Maybe it's something you've never done before. And so you say, I don't know if I can do it or not. There are a lot of things that have come my way with this, this job that I'm in right now that I've never done before. So these lies would start coming in. You have no idea what you're doing. You're going to absolutely fail. And this is where the breastplate, or I'm sorry, the shield of faith comes in. Because we can turn around and say, absolutely, I don't have the ability to do this. But I know the one who does. And he has called me to this position at this time. And therefore, if this is something that I'm supposed to be doing here at CMDA, he will empower me. That's where you put the shield of faith in action. So when those lies come in that you've maybe had a failure in the past or you don't know how to do this or maybe you're not going to be as good at it as somebody else, whatever form that flaming dart takes, you simply take a step back and say, you know what, that's absolutely correct, but I have a God who is indwelling and empowering me and he will be the one that will enable me to do it. And that shield of faith cancels that fiery dart right away. So that's a major area. And they crop in all the time. Some of them from me. But again, not every thought that enters your mind is from you. The third is to cause discord with others. 
If the enemy can't draw you into sin, or the enemy cannot get you to uh, doubt your ability to do your job, the third thing he's going to try and do is get you really upset with somebody you work with. All kinds of lies can, uh, can come. The, uh, there's a story about two women in a, in a large church that were starting a brand new ministry, and they had been working together for months in this ministry. It's going to be a powerful ministry in this church. And uh, on this particular Sunday, the two women were going to present this ministry to the church as a whole. So the first woman gets up, starts talking about herself and talking about what the ministry is. And the, the story is being told by the second woman because she's in the front row. And, and all of a sudden, these thoughts entering her mind is, wow, she is really full of pride. She's arrogant. She really thinks she's, she's the greatest thing. She's doing this all for herself. It's not for God. All these lies start popping in. But she recognized where they were coming from. But can you imagine the, the power that those lies could have had in disrupting that relationship and that brand new ministry if she'd allowed them to take seed? So anytime we start having thoughts that are negative thoughts about somebody else, especially if we don't have any evidence at all that supports that, then we need to be very careful. So it can be lies about their motive of work here, their character, or just simply misunderstanding that may come about and all of a sudden there's a misunderstanding between the two of you that's always going to happen. And then these, these little lies come into your head about, oh, maybe this person is really trying to do this instead of what's really happening. And if you let them grow long enough, they will develop into seeds of contempt for that other person. And if you are feeling any sense of contempt for a brother or sister in the Lord, that's on you. That's something you have to take to the Lord and ask for forgiveness for. And then deal with your relationship with your brother or sister. So, how is the enemy going to attack us here? as staff of CMDA, as we have an impact in the kingdom for the Lord? Well, he's going to first try and draw you into sin. Secondly, he's going to create self-doubt in your ability to do what God has called you to do. And thirdly, he'll separate you from teammates and others here at CMDA. If he can't do all of them. He certainly is going to try. He's going to focus on one. So, how do we fight against these attacks? If they're coming our way, and again, I'm not saying every negative thought that comes into your head is from the enemy. Please hear that. But also, not every thought that comes into your head is your own. So we have to find balance in there. I think the first thing that we need to be doing, and this is the purpose that I want to am talking about this today, is the recognition that this happens. That's really about 90% of the battle in my mind. If you recognize that the enemy has the ability to implant thoughts, fiery darts, into your mind, 
then hopefully you'll begin recognizing when that's happening. So if you're feeling a strong pull, uh, an aggressive pull towards some obvious sin, why is it? Take a step back. What has your thought life been lately? Or if you're having and struggling with self-doubt or shame, you're really questioning whether you can do your job here at CMDA that God has called you to. What's going on in your mind? What kind of thoughts have you been having? Or if there's anger or division or at worst contempt for someone else here. What's going on in your mind? Do you have the factual reason for that or has it been part of your thinking? Second, check your armor. Now one of the major pieces of armor I think that gets confused among Christians is the breastplate of righteousness. We're not talking about our righteousness. We're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ's righteousness in that. But our righteousness does have an impact. And so if we have fallen short in some way and in some way sinned, the Lord has graciously given away to us as his followers, as his believers, to deal with that very quickly. We can confess it, confess it to him, express remorse, repentance, turn away, and immediately our relationship with him is restored. But as Bert mentioned before, and if we have an ongoing sin habit in our life that we aren't addressing and asking forgiveness for, it creates huge holes in our armor. And we are that much more susceptible to the lies of the enemy. So we have to make sure that we check our armor. A book that I would highly recommend is this book by Marcus Warner. Uh, we in the uh, senior staff uh, just finished a book that was co-authored co by Marcus Warner along with Jim Wilder, and that book was called Rare Leadership. Marcus is a pastor who works uh, a lot in the realm of spiritual warfare, helping people uh, deal with past wounds. I don't have time to get into this. I, I learned a lot about it in my work with uh, uh, sex trafficking, and all, almost all of the girls that got entrapped into sex trafficking uh, had uh, wounds of either physical, emotional, or sexual abuse in their childhood. And uh, that wound uh, impacts their heart and implants all kinds of lies and strongholds there. And Marcus deals with that in, in this book. So if you are still struggling with some past trauma in your life and you're finding that it still somehow controls you, I would highly recommend this book. It gives you very, very basic and, and uh, practical ways to address that. But when specifically dealing with these fiery darts of the enemy, Warner recommends four different C's. The first is to confess. Confess that you have been believing a particular lie. Maybe that's a lie about a temptation, a lie about yourself, or a lie about a coworker or someone else. You need to outright confess to the Lord that you have mistakenly believed that lie. That's the first C. The second is to somehow cancel that lie. To go against that lie and recognize it is a lie in your mind 
it's not true and to go the opposite direction. If that's a lie about a particular sin or yourself or another person, that you really move towards the truth in that particular situation. The third is to command the demonic forces to leave. Now this is where a lot of people get a little bit uncomfortable because I don't hear this taught in many churches. And a lot of people, a lot of churches, even Bible-believed churches, will just really avoid this topic. Yet, you read the New Testament, what did Jesus do when he faced demons? He commanded them. What did the apostles do? They commanded him to leave. Why shouldn't we? That's the example that Jesus has given us, and this is what Marcus recommends as well. I have used that in my life, and I have found it is highly successful. When I began having lies about a particular person uh, I was working with in Grace Haven, I would simply, once I recognized, and sometimes it would take days for me to recognize, wait a minute, where is this coming from? And when I finally came to that recognition, I would command it to leave, and it would suddenly cease. The final one is to commit. Commit to following the truth. Commit to avoiding that sin if it is. Commit to not allowing yourself to fall into the trap of self-doubt um, self or shame about something or lack of uh, awareness of how you can uh, uh, do the job that God has called you to do. To commit to following the Lord and to being obedient to him so those are the four c's that i would highly recommend uh, and i would say that sometime if not several times in 2024 you will encounter the flaming darts of the enemy so i hope you will remember these four c's confess cancel command and commit so that's a brief summary on spiritual warfare for this coming year so let's go to the lord in prayer Father, I do thank you for the wisdom and the insight that you give us through your scripture, especially into this realm that is difficult for us to understand, a realm we do not see, a realm that uh, nonetheless is, is there to negatively impact our lives, negatively impact our ability to follow after you, our ministry, and especially our work at CMDA. I just pray, Father, that through your spirit, that when any of us is coming under the attack of the enemy, that you will bring these things to mind to help them to recognize what is truly happening, to recognize the lies that are being implanted, and to help them to effectively deal with those lies so that we can bring you the glory and the honor that you so richly deserve. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.